A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer, host of The Chemical Show. Today, I am speaking with Glenn Gertzen of Pilot Chemical. He is the Vice President of Technology and Innovation and Corporate Development for Pilot. Most recently, he served as President of LMG, which is a subsidiary of Pilot. And prior to that, he served as Pilot's VP of Commercial. He's been at Pilot for 21 years, so he knows a lot of the ins and outs of the company. He's also been in the chemical industry for a long time, having previously worked at both Univar and Kermagee. We're going to be having a great conversation about Pilot, chemicals, innovation, and more. Glenn, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. What's your origin story? How'd you get started in chemicals and what got you to Pilot Chemical? That's one of those ones that will definitely give my age away and that I literally, I answered a newspaper advertisement for Van Waters and Rogers. They had a Van Waters and Rogers precursor company to Univar, had a management training program that they were advertising for and interviewed with them. Really liked the idea of getting, go into a company and do almost every job to see what a company did and what was appealing started with them on the day that they had purchased McKesson Chemicals. Was excited, got on board, and then immediately got pushed into a corner as we worked on integration ideas and all the excitement around. Great experience, got started there, eventually moved to Kermagee, North American Chemical, and then uh, was with them for seven years and then joined Pilot back in 98. Great ride. It's been a great experience being at Pilot. Can you tell us a little bit about Pilot Chemical? Because uh, some people may not know who they are. It's a privately held company, just celebrated our 70th anniversary, which was really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. It's really cool. Pilot, largely anionic surfactants, kind of specializing in a couple spaces, HINI, oil and gas, metal working, and then really strong in the EP latex markets. You mentioned that Pilot just celebrated its 70th anniversary, which is really an accomplishment for any company and maybe even especially a private company. It's hard to see it through very many generations of leadership and just kind of just the changes that evolve in an industry. What lessons can other companies take from that? What do you attribute to Pilot's success and longevity in the industry? I would say a lot of credit to our founder and then to his successors, their focus on continuous improvement came up with a really novel way to sulfonate, which we still practice today. How do we make the highest quality products? Everyone says that. I think sometimes we've focused on that. It wasn't really necessary. The bar was below where we were at. I think it was really important to our current chairman. He really wanted always to be able to claim that. I think the other thing with a family-owned business the family had always kind of played the long game. They understood how cyclical 
the chemical industry was, and they didn't panic when the ups and downs. We know how this works in the chemical space when you're around for a while. We're going to see the roller coaster, and there's going to be good years and bad years. They persevered through all of it, really had a kind of an attitude even towards our customers and with our employees. Don't panic. We've seen this before. These things show pass as well. That is healthy. And I've talked to some other privately held companies, family-owned companies, who had similar points of view. They're not chasing stock market returns. It's about business and long-term business value and what it means for the company, for its employees, for its customers, et cetera. Some of the developmental projects we work on, we've had projects that took 15 plus years working with a customer to try to get a project to the finish line. Trials are in there. You're working along the way, but tangible results, you got to have some faith there. And it's kind of nice, privately held company. Our stakeholders can make that call. And Pilot's actually been led by non-family members, at least for the last decade, maybe more. You would know that. So I mean, the president and CEOs most recently, at least, have come from elsewhere in the industry. Absolutely. Both 2010 really made the decision to bring in outside management. Pam Butcher came to us from Dow, Mike Clark from Sassol, both of them kind of bring in a world of different ideas and ways to do things and helping Pilot continue to adapt. Still have a very involved family, third generation in the business today and active. We've had professional management since 2010. If we think about the last three years, and maybe we're all tired of thinking about the last three years, <laughs> pandemic, supply chain disruptions, the Russia-Ukraine war, and the effect it's having on energy and supply chains and everything. It certainly has been an inflection point for many businesses in terms of changing the way that they do business, sharpening what it thinks it's capabilities and focus areas are, reshaping effects with customers and employees. How has it been for Pilot? What changes have you seen over the past few years that's maybe made a difference for Pilot? Obviously, I don't want to minimize how terrible COVID was. I look at it and just see so many positives that have come from it. I think we've come away from this whole experience wowed at what our employees could accomplish. Our manufacturing employees were tried and true, came in every day, did all the right things. Our employees that worked hybrid, we were wowed with the productivity that we saw from our teams. People worked so hard. We had to move people around, shift resources. People took on different roles. Just the energy was required in those spaces. We had to change processes, put new processes in place, work in different ways, but we're going to come out of, like a lot of companies come out of COVID and say, oh my gosh, so many positives came out of that from a work practices. Sometimes you need a catalyst in the chemical world. We use a lot of different catalysts. And if you think about from a business practice, ways of working focus here, maybe the events of the last couple of years were a catalyst to make some changes. I don't want to say companies took for granted our customer interactions. Innovation happens interacting with our customers, not being able to interact with customers day on day, not being able to get in front of them with new products or the things we were trying to accomplish. It was tough. You can do a lot of that via Teams, but our customers drive this business and not being able to interact with them, it was easy to get stale. Every call, every discussion was about how do we get you material rather than how do we solve your next problem? How do we 
help you grow? How do we do new and that? Getting back out, talking to customers again is just like invigorating. I agree. I think people are really happy to be doing that. Let's talk about the customer experience. That's something I like to talk with folks about. Why do customers do business with Pilot? What's the unique value that you're bringing to the table? Because product is easily replicated. But what's unique about your Pilot's customer experience as it goes out into the markets? You talked about 70-year history. People know us. We've got a track record come in and out of markets. We've been pretty tried and true. I know this is cliche, but I think we see it and it kind of got reinforced with some of the e-commerce things that we tried to do. How do we make it easy on the customer? The market's going this way. But we heard loud and clear from people. I don't want to give up the interaction I have with my salesperson, with my customer service reps. For a lot of times, why do people stay with us It's because of our people. We're not dealing with a corporation. We're dealing with a person and they develop relationships. And those are really what sort of drives our success. It's been this balance. How do we let people check their orders or look up what they need, but still have rights if they want it to interact with the person they're used to? I think so. I think it's been a good balance, but I think that's where we see our strength. Can we be fast? Can we get arm our customers with what they need? Use our people in that best way. So what are you guys doing in, in the land of digital? You referenced some of the things that you... What's Pilot's approach to digital commerce and e-commerce? We're starting slow. I think what we've tried to do, we had grandiose plans. We had lots of ideas. We saw sort of what people were doing effectively. We saw a lot of that driven at the distribution level, some really cool things our distributors were doing. We fill a different role. Let's be smart about what we do. This went from something that we sort of dipped our toe into, hey, we should be exploring different ways to do this, aligning our data. How do we use all of this information to not enough resources available to do all the things we want to do? I think we went from maybe healthy skeptics to just giant advocates Say that this is really helping us giving us better insight. You referenced it before. COVID just made it so much more important that our data was aligned and that we were all kind of working off the same sheet of music. Digitalization's helped us a lot. You're using so many different systems, freight system, uh, third-party logistics providers, your various plants, your suppliers. How do we make sure all of these things are aligned? I think that's one of the benefits we've seen in that space. Have you guys tied it all into one system? Is that what you're doing on the back end or or is it more complex than that? I think it's more complex than that. But as a smaller company, we always had that concern. Hey, we'll outgrow our system. We'll outgrow this. Someday we'll have to via SAP or something similar. I think what we learned is we're using so many different platforms. That's probably not required. What it is required is that we have the skeleton to make sure all those systems talk. Our team, we brought in people that could help us in that space, been kind of wowed by what they were capable of bringing to the table. It's been pretty productive. And what's the customer response to that? So it sounds like some of this is an internal alignment, better use of data. How does that look to your customers and suppliers? I think their needs are escalating so fast. I wouldn't say we're blazing new trails. I think this is the customer expectation, because what they see on the consumer product side 
is why can't I do this in the chemical industry? And so it's like, this is a cost of doing business and customers are sort of waiting. When is industry going to catch up? That's true. I see that as well. And I think we're all used to being able to access anything and everything at our fingertips and have data that gets pushed to us and not just me going out and seeking it. If you think about where orders and deliveries are, right? Amazon likes to update me. It feels like every minute, like, hey, it's on its way. When you have that in your personal experience, you want the same thing or similar in your business experience. And our customers, you think like with the supply chain things that we had with raw materials, with shipments, we needed to arm our customers as well because they had stakeholders that were saying, hey, where is my product? When are we going to get production? And they could say, hey, the feedstock is currently sitting off the port of San Diego you're four weeks out. We'll keep you informed, but you can look here to see where things are. And I think it just put them in a position where it wasn't just so many words. It was actually, here's data to back up our claims. So that's a good point. I think we've always known that the value chain is really interconnected, but it's become even more apparent. And the expectation of information being able to flow all the way across that chain is really critical. I think we have different levels of adoption in the chemical industry when we're seeing it multiple places. And it only takes one space where you have a gap that then you need to figure out how do we fill that gap for customers? How do we answer those questions? We'll be right back. Support for this episode comes from ChemDirect. ChemDirect is an all-in-one commerce platform to buy and sell chemicals online. Shop online to get products in days instead of weeks at a highly competitive price. If you're a supplier, you can launch a fully resourced digital channel for free. Now, we all know that digital is getting more and more important in chemicals, and that's something we discuss regularly on The Chemical Show. ChemDirect is here to help make it happen. Head on over to ChemDirect.com to check them out and use the code CHEMSHOW20 for a 20% discount on your first order. A big part of your role is innovation. What does that look like for you and for Pilot? What is the innovation focus that you guys have? What a cool time to be like kind of tackling innovation right now. And that you saw this probably when you were at Shell. Our customers in our universe had formulations that they probably used some iteration of for 35, 40 years, things that were developed ages ago. And the changes, things that we see in our space, 1,4, dioxane, and the push around sustainability, all of a sudden has customers opening up formulations or at least open to it for the first time in 30, 40 years. And so I would say in the surfactant space, we've started to look at tons of these bio-based products or things that can help our customers move the needle. It doesn't have to be a perfect solution, but they've got goals and objectives as well. How do we help them? The shortages aided there as well. And that when people couldn't get things, all of a sudden they said, okay, maybe we do need to look at these formulations. We're looking at a lot of different things. I think when you think about sustainability for us, it's not just new products, it's group practices. So what about the ways we do it? What about the ways that we're making these things? And not just the way we're making them, but where we're making them. Interesting. From a where you're making them perspective, what does that look like when you think about that? We saw a lot of people thinking about their platforms. Ours is a legacy platform. We bought our plants in the 60s, 70s, 80s. 
got to think about our network a little. Where's our customer base evolved to? Are we making all the products in the right spaces? Can we make some improvements by thinking about our overall platform? And I think lots of people in our space are doing that. But that's something that we really never gave any thought before, you know, because logistics, rail and truck was largely just so affordable for so long. It was easy for a very long time, right? So easy. And so that all of a sudden has changed. And it's like, OK, that will that get better? I'm sure it will improve, but it's still something we have to think about for the long term. Yeah. And the majority of your business is in North America. Is that right? I would say we do about a quarter of our business outside the U.S. That's largely all into that latex industry that goes to 60 plus countries. That's a great product line for us. But the bulk is North America. We bought a company in Mexico 2019, right before COVID shut us down. Or, But largely all of our assets are in the U.S. or Mexico. But it's still even inside the U.S. logistics is challenging and optimization is key. For sure. Let's talk a little bit more about sustainability. So you guys recently had your first sustainability report. And I know that Pilot has created some senior roles focused on sustainability. How does that play out? What's your priority? Do you guys have a sustainability strategy? Are there certain things in specific that you're focusing on? I think for us, sustainability kind of made a lot of sense. We knew we needed to do it. It was Nice to see that was kind of driven by one of the family members who it was important to. That certainly helped. But then I think as we started to dig into it, the things that we really said to some degree kind of had this overall slogan, unwavering integrity, which was, hey, let's make sure we're doing the right thing. How do we do these things to leave the right kind of legacy? And that was greener products greener practices, innovative products, and really better life for our employees and for our customers. That's like acting on new information when you get it. Our trade groups, ACI, ACC, have done a great job kind of educating the populace, educating us as to those things that we've just got to adapt on. Are you getting a lot of requests from your customers? Are they asking for sustainability metrics or goals? I mean, how does that look when you think about your, and I know some of your customers are big consumer products companies, as well as other companies that their shareholders are asking for more sustainable things, if you will. I think we did like everybody's done recent entrant on this. I was listening to someone talk the other day on your show, talking about how they've been in it since 2008. We certainly didn't start back then. I think we followed our trade groups and started getting a better look at it, did our materiality assessment, figured out the things that were important to us. But I think you're right. Our customers have said, hey, we applaud you for going down this road. Here's some of the questions we want answered, and they're not always the things that we initially sketched out. That will change over time. I think it's been interesting with some of the big consumer products companies. They have not just got into it, but been pretty good tutors for hey, what they are looking for from their suppliers. I know one of the interactions into it thinking we were really going to get harangued to do X or Y and came out of it with like a lot of really good ideas and suggestions that would kind of hit the mark. So I think the interactions have been largely positive. I think in this whole area of ESG and sustainability, we need a lot of collaboration because in many ways, it's still early in thinking about what does it really look like? How do you 
work together across the value chain to hit those goals, the big goals that are out there, as well as the little goals. That's really positive to hear that you're seeing that with your customers. Well, I think some of the asks are, you've seen this in probably what you've looked at. For us, we're still establishing baselines and trying to understand our current business. And those are no small undertakings. You know, significant resources. I think that makes it even more important that we don't want to be on some parallel track where we're not answering the questions that are important to our customers. Let's figure out what our baselines are. And that's when we go through our sustainability report, those establishing those baselines are a big part of the work we're doing. And I think that's the right place. You have to start there. The other thing, and I know I have some friends that work very closely in ESG and sustainability, and there's a real big push by some of the practitioners to have better standards, that it becomes an easier understanding of how to meet the metrics or even just how to measure some of these things. That's been a challenge for a lot of companies is just figuring out, well, how do you measure that baseline? And then once you've got it measured, maybe being told, oh no, the measurement's something different. So I think there's a real drive as well to get some standardization to support that measurement and baseline creation. And I think that's where we've tried looking out in the industry, see what people are doing. Hey, is GRI the right way to go? Is that the standard we want to settle on? Will that be accepted by the bulk of our customers? Because we've saw this kind of proliferation of certifications around green or natural. And it's like eight different definitions. And they're like, you know, hey, which one's going to satisfy customers? We want to give them what they need, but it's impossible to... I don't know, I don't want to use the phrase subscribe, but really be party to all of them. And I think certainly in the surveillance space, as you say, there's been a lot of different standards when you think about where some of the basic products come from and what's natural or what's green and what's sustainable. So navigating that is challenging and some of it's branding more than science. That's really true. And so figuring that out is critical. On the green space, you guys have recently announced a deal with Integrity Biochem to work in some biosurfactants. Can you share anything about that and how that fits into your overall portfolio? One of the things you're learning in that biospace is you've got a lot of these very interesting technologies, people who have uncovered something really interesting. What they don't have is access to the marketplace. And that's a hard thing to grow up from ground zero. And We kind of came across Integrity. We're really impressed with what they did. And then what we had to offer was, hey, those 700 plus unique tier two, tier three customers who would really are out there looking for options. And so just made for a very natural marriage. We're excited about what they can do. They've got great leadership, really wowed by their products. But I think one of the things that was kind of cool there and you see in this is getting these bio-based products that are scalable because we've seen lots of them that were like lab, just couldn't get to the level. If they were adopted, they've got to be competitive and they'll pay more, but not probably not forever. I mean, if you think about where surfactants, where they're going into, some of these are really large applications. When somebody reformulates, they want to know that they can fulfill those requirements. That has been historically a really big hurdle for all of these new innovative products. That's struggle number one. And then struggle number two is one of the things where we think we could bring 
kind of formulator expertise is you can't just drop these products in. They don't perform the old proxies, the things that we're used to, those ingredient number one, ingredient number two on a lot of those surfactant containing products. You know, you're going to have to look at hey, how do I formulate with these? What other products do I need to put in there to get the viscosity I'm used to or things in those lines? It's been fun. Glenn, what's next for you guys? I mean, we're here wrapping up 2022, making plans to head into 2023. What should we be looking for with Pilot? Well, I'd say we'll continue to look for good bolt-on acquisitions that'll help us be stronger. Uh, I think the bio-based space is interesting to us. I think we've got other markets that we're very interested in. We'll spend time there. I think we'll continue to look for partnerships that make sense for us to help us get a bigger foothold. The conversations that we're having with customers right now about sustainable products are pointing us in directions that really matter to them, problems they're solving. And some of the things that customers are thinking about from sustainability with concentrates, the things that they're trying to move to have us kind of reevaluating where are we spending our calories on the products we're kind of trying to innovate in-house. So I think there's a great mix, exciting time, and we start to be able to engage with customers again. And that's where you really get the ideas. Glenn, thank you for joining us today on The Chemical Show. Appreciate your time and having you on the show, sharing your insights. Well, I've loved it and keep going. I've loved the episodes that I've listened to so far. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks everyone for listening and joining us today on The Chemical Show. Keep listening, following, and sharing the podcast. Talk to you soon. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.